0: You're listening to the Beyond the Profi Podcast, where we help you out of career burnout so that you can reclaim your personal freedom while pursuing your passion. I'm your host, Jasmine Haley, entrepreneur, influencer, and educator that will help empower you with our interviews, strategies, and straight talks. If you're ready to push past your comfort zone to your greatness, you have found the right podcast. Stay tuned and listen in. Hey, hey, hey. This is your host, Jasmine Hanley, and we're here for an impactful and I would say one of the most heartfelt interviews that we're going to have. Um, and you know I like to get down to the nitty gritty of what makes us human beings and to connect on a deeper level. But this week's guest is Lisa Zimmer. Um, by trade. Yes, she is a dental hygienist. She's been a dental hygienist for 13 years, 20 years though in the dental industry. And she is a CEO of Smiles for Recovery. So I met Lisa about two years ago. I think it's two years ago. And um, she came to my course that deals with substance use disorder and opiates and, and what dental professionals need to know and how to use naloxone and all of the things that are very important for us to understand with this vulnerable population. And I was touched beyond belief with her transparency. She opened up, I think that may have been her first time to such a large public audience about her own experience with substance use and how it impacted her personal life and some of the challenges that she faced during her career, or the beginning of her career as a dental hygienist. So she's going to share that story with us. She's also going to share the why behind Smiles for Recovery. So I want to extend a warm welcome to you, Lisa. Be
1: hey, you. You're one of my favorite people on earth, so thank
0: you oh. for having me. <laughs> yes, I, I mean, thank you. I, I'm very, very grateful to have met you, and um, I can't wait to see. You haven't really been fully unleashed. <laughs> in the world of dentistry, on um, on the lives that you're going to be impacting um, every day, and so I can't. I'm just honored to be in a position to to introduce you to dentistry in this way.
1: Well, I have to be honest. You know, one of the one of the main reasons why I started now started recovery, um, has a lot to do with you. I mean, I mean the way that you approached that particular course and the compassion that you had um, that I felt. Also, I thought you know there needs to be more uh, more people like us that are that are showing people compassion. So. So you, lady, um, had a lot to do with
0: that. So I want to thank you. Oh, thank you. You know, I think one of the things I always say at the end of my topics, whether it's about living, uh, I'm actually serving persons living with HIV or those who have dealt with a history of trauma or um, substance use disorder, that we need more dental professionals interested in this topic. And we need more of us talking about how important our role is. So give, give the audience, because, you know, I've heard it, but the audience needs to hear where this all began. Like, why is your interest in creating smiles for, for recovery? What's the why behind it? And exactly what will this organization do? So
1: the why behind smiles for recovery is, um, I am recovering from substance use disorder and I say recovering because it is, it is, you are never recovered, but I'm recovering from substance use disorder. Um, and I felt that, um, like you just said, there, there really wasn't enough going on specifically in dentistry. So what had happened was when, you know, the opioid epidemic, you know, was getting worse and getting worse. And, um, you know, once I started recovery, I had thought to myself, um, I I need to do something. I need to give back. Um, you know, I need to to help. You know, my 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 fellow people, and that's part of the recovery process. You know, is is to help. You know, help a fellow addict is is the verbiage that they use. But help. You know, another person with substance use disorder. And I thought, well, I don't even know where to to really start to do that. But you know, the two things that I know well, the best in this world is opiates and dentistry. And so, if I was gonna make any difference and the most impactful difference, um, it was gonna be um, putting these two together. So, um, I thought about it. I did a lot of Google searching and researching and finding out what was available out there to individuals with substance use disorder in terms of educating them, um, finding them access to treatment, those types of things. And I was heartbroken that I found nothing, you know, mm-hmm. that there's just so little. And I was like, well, Okay, well, obviously, that's what I have to do. So, that's kind of how, how it all came about that, that kind of quickly and that easily.
0: So, what, was, what I felt like was very profound is when we were dealing, when we were talking about um, in that particular course, I deal with like signs and symptoms. Like, what's the difference between an overdose versus a high? Mm-hmm. And the challenging part is I've had to learn this information by stepping outside of dentistry, right? Most of the education that's there is simply for the prescribers, dentists, right? They're talking about what to prescribe Mm -hmm. and then um, for, you know, medical providers that are prescribers and none of them are dealing with like the heart portion, the compassion that we need. Here are some identifying things that we should look for. And what really struck me about your story was the fact that you were dealing with these challenges during school yes and it wasn't something that any faculty member would be prepared for i mean who is in dentistry mm-hmm. right unless you've dealt with it personally i mean who has ever but
1: you know yeah yeah well you know who's prepared but mm-hmm.
0: so what would you say were some of the things that you know as educators or as professionals we need to look out for what did you what do you feel that could have been of assistance to you during that time
1: Well, I'm not, I'm not sure what could have been of assistance to me, but I, but I can tell you some things to kind of, you know, look for that might stand out that would kind of make you question. Um, As a matter of fact, this past week, I saw uh, one of my, my old professors, and she is now well aware of my story was not at the time. Um, But now, but now, you know, everything is is very open. And she said, you know, I felt like there was something, you know, I, I felt like, You know you were fragile or i felt like there was something going on but i but i had no idea what it was and i and i couldn't pinpoint it um from from the perspective of me being in hygiene school and still actively using um the number one thing would be nodding out and we had talked about that in your course that the difference between being high and overdosing a lot of people think that when somebody is nodding out that they're overdosing but that's just kind of the way that we you know live our lives you know you you know, you use, you, you know, you nod out and then you wake up and then you use. And so, um, you know, if you were sitting in a classroom and you have someone that you think is falling asleep, that would look, it looks the same as, you know, falling asleep, basically, that would certainly, well, you have to be cautious because in hygiene school, nobody gets any sleep because we're studying. All night. <laughs> <Exactly>. But, <laughs> but you, would, you would get a feel, you would get a feeling. Um, and then there's, certainly, um, some, um, intraoral signs that, that I can describe to people that maybe other dental professionals wouldn't, wouldn't look at because they'd happen to me. Um, so, you know, for instance, um, when, when you're using, you know, depending on the, the administration route, right. So, you know, if you were, um, snorting something, You know, we're going to see some evidence of that in the back of your throat. We know we're going to see maybe some cobblestoning. We might even see the color of the drug, you know, Mm -hmm. especially if we're in a dental environment. A lot of times in a dental environment, you're anxious. Mm -hmm. So you're probably going to overuse before you get there. You know, Mm -hmm. you're probably going to be in the parking lot using before you get in the dental chair. So when we're looking at the the throat, um, sometimes you can actually see the drug running around the back of the throat. Something that you would never even think of, right, unless you were told. Um, there are, um, you know, people that are on maintenance medications that they're embarrassed to talk about. Um, a lot of those are sublingual, um, or, you know, buckle, depending. There is a a pretty high percent of the population that get pretty severe sores due to suboxone in their mouth, specifically the films, but not the tablets. So... You know, if you see a particular ulcer, you know, in that area sublingually, it's certainly something to question. Um, And having that education, you can say, hey, in this particular spot, you know, you know what's going on. So those are just some kind of things to, to throw around that you could look for from those different aspects.
0: I love that you shared that. And one of the key pieces that really stood out when you were talking, cause I'm all about like, let's bust stigma in the face. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, is the fact that some people are ash- ashamed mm-hmm. of saying or been, or have been shamed of saying that they're in a maintenance period right. of their recovery. And one of the key things that I've learned over the course of my, my trainings is the fact that, um, one of the hardest things to help people keep on that road of recovery is the lack of connection, the lack of support Mm -hmm. and the stigma associated with it. So Mm -hmm. if we have a diabetic patient, and this is one, one thing I've always heard. If you have a diabetic patient who is taking insulin or taking some more metformin or whatever, we're talking about type two diabetes, are we going to just tell them like, stop taking the medication um, because of what people think Mm -hmm. people who have dealt with recovery will have to be on maintenance some of them for the rest of their life the rest of their life Yeah. for the rest of their life Mm -hmm.
1: and there's so many people that don't that don't understand that you know evidence-based research research is showing us that it saves lives and that um that it is it's okay. And, and if there's any one particular thing that I could, that I could scream out to, you know, my fellow people in recovery or those looking for recovery recovery is that it doesn't have to be perfect. Just know that just know that it doesn't have to be perfect. You just have to keep trying. Yes. And I think that what happens is when you have stigma associated with maintenance addiction treatment, um, assisted treatment, I mean, you're, you're telling somebody that, um, they didn't do good enough or that they failed or and I just don't think that we can have that
0: language um surrounding mm-hmm. it. Yes, absolutely. Oh that that one that one hit me. That is so mm-hmm. so true. And because I, I, I know that
1: my journey certainly wasn't perfect.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean I whose is though with anything. Anytime okay. we're trying to change behavior, whether you're trying to change behavior in the sense of telling your patient how to care for their oral care. It's hard. Mm-hmm. Now, can you imagine if you have a biological pull towards something that may be harmful towards your body, or you may be dealing with some other traumas in your life that you're trying to um, handle by means of using a substance? I mean, there's so many other factors. It's more, it's multi-layered, com- complex issue. And um, I was listening to Mel Robbins. She was talking with someone. She had mentioned that she was at a conference that was speaking about adi- addiction and they said the antidote, antidote to addiction is compassion. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought that that was so profound to actually hear that.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, I think that there are a lot of people out there that continue to want to um, know, place individuals in in jail and sweep the streets and I've heard all of those things and we've been doing that. Um, It it doesn't work, especially doesn't work because we're putting people in the jail system um, and then having them, you know, withdraw or we're giving them suboxone and then not giving them support afterwards. They're just going to go back out and use anyway. So, you know, that certainly doesn't work. Um, But I know, you know, as somebody in recovery, that one of the things that, that got me to stop using was, was compassion. So from my own standpoint, you know, I, I, would have to agree with that. Um, and, and why not try it? Certainly there's going to be no harm of, of being really kind to somebody.
0: Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Um, I've had so many people, um, who have come to af- up to me after these presentations, um, sharing just like you have, but mostly in private, crying um many people have said you know for a long time I was mad at my parent my spouse my brother and my sister you know so and so because I just wanted them to quit Mm. I just wanted them to quit and now I understand it isn't that simple and we really need to meet people where they are and showing a level of compassion Mm -hmm. is the first is really the first step in my opinion
1: Mm -hmm. And I think that educating yourself, um, you know, one of the things that I I talk about, you know, when I talk is that you have to really to to make an opinion about this particular situation. You should really educate yourself because the truth of the matter is the majority, the majority of people that are active um, users of opiates did start from an injury, an illness and had the doctor prescribe medications. And I, you know, sometimes when I'm, um, I'm on Facebook and I'm scrolling through all my groups, because I have all the different groups, um, and sometimes I uh, see things about um, prevention, I see things about, you know, safe injection sites, and, and I read the comments. And my husband always tells me, don't read, Lisa, you're going to get upset. Don't do it. <laughs> read the comments. You know, you're going to start crying. Um, because people say, people say terrible things.
0: One of the comments that I received from when I went to go speak in Colorado, I spoke for six hours. The first topic I talked about was the opioid epidemic. And the second topic was persons living with HIV how to deal with that. Right. And at the very end, speaking for six hours is exhausting. You love it. It's great but I was exhausted. So at the end I was approached by an older lady who explained she wasn't sure what to expect with my courses. Um, she did enjoy listening to me, but her comment was, why don't we just let those people Mm. die? And then maybe when other people see them dying, which they already are, especially those who are dealing with overdose, with the overdose epidemic. Right. Um, they'll stop. They'll stop using. Mm-hmm. And so that includes many of the people that I've met over time, over the time. Yeah. including mm-hmm. Lisa, Who mm-hmm. I care deeply about. And I, sh- I certainly wouldn't want to wish anyone's life to be taken away from them. And it was hard for me speaking for six hours and it never reached here. And these are the people treating our patients. hmm these are the people that are treating our patients, so what would you say? Why does your life matter, regardless of the challenges or the experiences that you faced? What would you say to a hygienist or just a, a medical professional that feels that way?
1: well I think I think this also brings me back to the to the educating yourself that I was talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the majority of people um, have either, you know, taken pain medication um, that was given to them in, in large quantities, and the doctors at the time really didn't understand about papering and withdrawal and that whole process. So I have heard a lot of people, um, you know, like I'm, I'm sure that woman says or, or believes that, um, well, they made the, you know, they made the choice to pick up, why can't they make the choice to put it down? But it doesn't work that way. Um, a lot of times, you don't really make the choice to pick up if it's it's if it's, a, if it's a, you know a true medical situation. And then you know what what happens to the body afterward really makes it not a choice anymore. It it really is no longer your choice. And and you know, speaking as someone that has been through uh, you know pretty severe withdrawal several times, I I can I can tell you that it's. Um, that it becomes not, it becomes not a choice. Um, I look at my, I look at myself now, never, I never thought that I would, I would be in the situation that I am now. When people talk to me and they hear my story, um, I tell them a little bit about, about my story and they're like, oh, I never, I never really would have thought, thought that. And I'm like, well, okay. Um. But then when I get into the nitty gritty of it, you know, they'll say, Oh, I didn't, I didn't realize it was that bad. You know, when I was, when I was living in my house without, you know, electric, without water, um, you know, when, you know, when I was stealing, when I was doing all of those things that people with opiate use disorder do, um, you know, and I talk about the nitty gritty, they say, Oh, I I didn't realize like when you said that, you know, you were recovered, that it was that bad. I'm like, that's what happens. There's no other place to go, you know? And then once you hit that spot, it's jails, institutions, and that. So, um, so yeah, I was that bad. And, and now I'm this good. And it's like, well, how did you get here? First of all, I'm I'm not this good. I'm still pretty crazy up there. Um, You know, it certainly is a struggle, but um, what I would want to tell to to, you know, every dentist and every assistant, every hygienist and every, you know, anybody really is, you know, it's, it's me. So any single person that you see, you know, lying on a bench, you know, that you know, is, is using or somebody that's, you know, OD'd or someone that you see on a bus, that's, you know, um, that's the same person as I was. So, you know, be careful one judging them. And two, whether you, you know, maybe believe it or not, recovery is certainly possible for everybody. Um, You know, as long as, um, it's available yeah, yeah. Know, to them and they're
0: ready. Uh, this is why one of the topics I speak on, I've actually just added it to my list, is taking a trauma-informed approach mm. and understanding how trauma puts individuals at more risk for certain conditions, right? Mm-hmm. Certain experiences. And unless we are looking at the people that we meet, instead of saying, what's wrong with you? We need to be asking what happened. Yes. What's going on? What, what experiences have you had? And one of the key things that I really love that you mentioned, Lisa, is the fact that there are biological changes. Mm -hmm. I'll say that one more time. There Mm -hmm. are biological changes that happen once your body is introduced to any form of substance that you could possibly become addicted to. Right. And those, Changes are as simple as, I love this analogy. This was given by a um, physician at Johns Hopkins. He used the analogy of a parking lot. You may have about 10 spaces in a parking lot, right? And we have opioid receptors in our neurons Mm -hmm. and there's 10 of them. And when we consistently introduce opiates into our system over and over and over again, it accommodates that it Mm -hmm. will, because of course, the more you put into your system the more you need to get that same feeling again right the same high so it creates more parking spaces so we're yeah. going from 10 20 30 whatever biologically there's changes we just make more yep that's it and so when someone says okay i'm going to withdraw and i'm going to discontinue my use of this substance mm-hmm. what what's going to fill those parking spaces up mm and that's why we need that medication-assisted therapy. That is why the CDC reported last year that it's necessary for success.
1: Yeah, and also, Jasmine, what I've heard, and I, I read this article, because um, I try and keep up to date as, as much as I can, is that there is question right now. Uh, originally, it thought they went back down. Originally, they had thought that you know, as you withdraw and as you get healthier, those number of parking spots will eventually go down and you will continue on recovery. And, and now it's thought that maybe they don't. Mm-hmm. And that is why they're saying that mm-hmm. lifelong medication assisted treatment may be necessary because if all of those parking spots never go away, you know, how do you expect us to succeed? Yes. So it's interesting to see, um, as that new research comes out, you know, kind of what we're, we're finding about our receptors and, um, you know whether they reduce back down or whether they stay um to the significant number that they are so you know it's, it's interesting
0: yeah it will be interesting to see what happens i mean i know from just the populations i've worked with and talking to some of the overdose response programs here in maryland um they need it like they need those parking spaces full like there's not there's nothing that has shown contrary and that's just from personal so we got to wait for the research to supply us with you know, the definitive answer, but yeah. yeah. And also,
1: and also, Jasmine, just another thing, because I don't think, I mean, how would they, people that haven't experienced, um, haven't experienced this, the, the moment, literally the moment that I took my first opiate, I knew that was it. Mm. The moment, and people are like, that's crazy. I don't know. I don't know what, what my chemistry, what my mental, and I have some pretty significant, you know, abuse and trauma in my past. Um, And I, so I don't, I don't know how that, I'd never been exposed to it before. You know, I took my first opiate and I was like, oh, like this is what it's about. It's just my body reacted that way. Um, And I'm not, you know, I'm not the only person that feels that way. It's just, it's a strange how that all happens. It was, I'm not going to say it's almost out of my control because I certainly take responsibility for my actions. Um, but there is a component there
0: um, that, that is tough to fight for yes. sure. Yes, and there are people that are biologically predisposed to it. I mean, mm-hmm. your experience is contrary to mine. When I had my first opiate after having my um, wisdom teeth taken out, I was sick. It made me sick to my stomach. I, and I had no desire to ever take it again. Mm-hmm. Whereas my friend or even you, it gave you that sense of whether whatever it was, what, whether it's mm-hmm. euphoria, whatever's the peace of calm that you need. Mm-hmm. And so what how do else do we, how else do we explain that other than like you said, the chemistry, the way our bodies are made up? So there are people that will be more inclined or more at risk mm-hmm. if they're introduced. Yeah. Yep. So I I mean we can go on forever and ever mm-hmm. <laughs> talking about this subject. I could. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so please just tell tell the listeners what kind of work are you doing with Smiles Smiles for Recovery?
1: Okay, so Smiles for Recovery um, kind of stemmed from my capstone project from my bachelor's degree. Um I graduated, um, hygiene school. I immediately started for my bachelor's degree. Um, I was still actively using and it took me 12 years to get my bachelor's degree, but I, I just graduated in May and I,
0: congratulations.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Um, and so the, um, you know, my last semester for my capstone project, you know, I had decided to do something that was going to integrate, um, with, with dentistry and about three weeks, probably into the semester, I was like, oh, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn this into a real thing. Um, so I started it at the beginning of this year. We're still in the process of getting our 501c3. It's going through all the things that it needs to go, uh, go through. But ultimately for now, what I want to do is I want to go into dental offices. I want to do lunch and learns with all the dental professionals. Um, I want to explain to them um, what to look for. Um, for our patients, how to be compassionate, um, how to not be judgmental, all the things. And I want to show them who I am so that the next time they get somebody in their chair, they will remember me and think to themselves, huh, maybe this person could eventually be a functioning member of society as well. Um, And then in addition to that, I want to start integrating um, dentistry into rehabs. Now, I'm not exactly sure how I'm gonna do that because there's some legal stuff, but um, I certainly can do it into recovery populations. But I wanna start talking to specifically medication-assisted treatment individuals who are going to be on long-term maintenance. They're gonna be on Suboxone, they're gonna be on methadone. I prefer Suboxone, but again, we come to them. So whatever they're using, and explain to them what those medications will do. So you know, regardless of if you're still shooting open an alley, or you're going to the doctor and getting your Suboxone, the actual side effects in your mouth are not different. It's exactly the same. So they need to be made aware that even if they had really great home care, you know, they're still at such a high risk for decay and infection. And then why uh, finding a dental home and then um, you know, going in for regular checks are, are so important. Kind of what they can do to offset some of those side effects from the medication.
0: Mm. you're a blessing. Oh, that's wonderful, Lisa. <laughs> I'm so excited. I just want to go, go, go. Yes, I can't wait. And she did not mention that she is in a graduate program right now at Phone School of Dental Hygiene, which is awesome. Hey, phones, we love you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't wait to see even more how that grows and, and what comes about the new information that you're learning and the new skills that you're learning um, to enhance your journey. So final question. What was the best personal or career advice you've ever received?
1: Oh, my best personal advice or, hmm. I mean, probably what I mentioned earlier, which was recovery is not perfect. I mean, at some point somebody had said that to me. I, I love the quote from JK Rowling. I I have that on my Facebook page, Mm -hmm. um, you know, about, about rock bottom mm-hmm. um but i just have i just i'd have to say stop looking at your past you don't live there anymore mm-hmm. you know, I, I have to remind myself of that every day um because it's still a, a, a struggle um it's still a struggle to not still think i'm that person not walk into a room and still see myself everyone nobody else sees me you know as you know quote unquote a junkie um, so it's getting through those, getting through those, a lot of therapy, a lot of therapy, getting through those hurdles and just remembering, you like, stop looking back at your past. You don't live there anymore. Um, and just kind of telling that to myself over and over again.
0: Ah, oh, thank you for your courage and your bravery, Lisa. Um, please tell the listeners how they can contact you, how they can find so, out more information.
1: Okay. Uh, like everyone else on earth, I do have a Facebook page. Um, so <laughs> It, it smiles for recovery um it smiles the number four and then recovery and then um i also have a website and my website is um for um so you can certainly take a look at those and see what we're all about and awesome. if you want to help and volunteer we would love to have you join join on the uh join on the train
0: all right well thanks again lisa this has been an awesome conversation thank you Jasmine. you're the best Thanks for tuning in to the show. We value each and every one of you. Dive in deeper by visiting the show notes for this episode or listening to more episodes on BeyondTheProfi.com. If you found value in the show, share with a friend and leave us a review. We will see you next time, BTP family.